You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. But he just took it right the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking public unit. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. What we're going to do today on the pod is we're going to do our, our annual uh, kind of roster analysis. What I like to do right before the draft, I typically try to wait the week before. We're getting a little bit of jump on it. Um, but what we're doing is going through and really grading out the entire roster, the entire starting roster, I should say, the uh, the starting lineup. Um, and the way I do it is with 11 personnel and nickel defense because obviously that's the majority of the time um, those are – these sets that you're going to be in, right? You know, the majority of the snaps on offense in this Matt LaFleur slash Sean McVay system is 11 personnel, meaning uh, one running back, one tied in. Therefore, you got three wide receivers on the field. So what I'm going to do is kind of grade out our quote-unquote starting lineup, right, which on offense would be, you know, one quarterback, one halfback, three wide receivers, one tied in, two tackles, two guards, and a center. On defense, we're going to go with our nickel defense because the majority of the offenses that you face across the league um, even even in my in uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is really, uh, you know, it's a very twenty-one heavy offense. Uh, you know, basically uh, speaking in comparison to the rest of the league, there still is quite a bit of eleven personnel that they uh, they come out in. So um, that's what's going to trigger your nickel defense, which in our case would be two edge defenders, two interior defensive linemen, two linebackers, three corners a free safety and a strong safety, which we do know in Vic Fangio's defense, this Fangio-style defense that Joe Barry runs. The safeties are somewhat interchangeable. They have to be very fluid in that regard. Uh, that's why you see you know, uh, both safeties get quite a bit of snaps at free safety at, at times, although Rudy Ford did settle in to free safety a little bit more once Savage did move to the slot and Amos settled into more of that box top safety, you know, playing the quote-unquote strong safety position for the most part. But what we're going to do is talk about the PFF grades for each position. And the goal here, guys, I've heard a lot of talk, a lot of talk about there's plenty of talent on this roster, right? Goody has constructed a great roster. They're, whether it's the coaches not getting the uh, the majority out of them or the players aren't playing up to their expectations, um, that's the problem. It's not that Goody hasn't found a bunch of talent. I'm not here to bash Goody. I'm not here to bash the coaches. I'm not here to bash the players. What I want to do is look at the data. I want to look at the information according to PFF and say, okay, where do these players rank? How did they perform throughout the season, right? And, and what's going to happen is you're going to have the, the glaring needs are going to begin to pop, right? They're going to really stand out on paper. 
And and also you're going to see the the positions that were really strong. And what you're going to find is, you know, I heard Ryan talking the other day. He was kind of chatting about how, you know, he felt like uh, the offense underperformed. But then when you look at it at the end of the day, they actually outperformed the defense last year. And, and a lot of people, it's hard for them to get to to accept that. But that was the reality, right? And when you look at the player rankings, and I don't have them pulled up, you know, according to PFF, Aaron Rodgers was still a top 10 quarterback. And I keep hearing people say, well, oh, Rodgers played like trash. That was the main issue. And it's like, no, that, that wasn't the case. And what's really cool is Jordan Love, with a minimum amount of snaps, graded out almost the same, I think actually a little bit better than Rodgers did, so, meaning that if Jordan Love, you know, although he just had 20-some snaps in that Philly game, right, and uh, I'm not sure if there was any mop-up time, I can't remember exactly, but he's on par with the level of play that Rodgers had last year. Granted, Rodgers was playing injured. We all know that, a broken thumb on the throwing hand, the messed up ribs, all that stuff. Um. But when you look at it from that regard, okay, well, if if Jordan Love is going to play at that level, let's say he carries over into that, right? Then what's the issue, right? There's got to be something else wrong with wrong with the team, right? Wrong with the offense specifically here. And on defense, it's the same thing. Like one of the things that really bothers me is when people say this this team, or you know, more specifically, the defense is loaded with talent. Why do you think that? Why have we come to the conclusion that they're loaded with talent when they're underperforming consistently? You can't, you know, in my opinion, a player is only as good as the play they put on tape, right? They're they're only as good as their grade will suggest they are. Whether you, you know, believe in PFF or or you know uh the the other uh the other service that Ryan uses, um, whether you grade the tape yourself like Andy Herman. You know, however you want to look at it, the player is only as good as how they perform on the field. I don't care how many first-round picks you've spent on specific positions or on one side of the ball or the other, right? To, to me, it's are they going to produce on the field? I could care less where they were drafted. So just to sit here and pretend like, oh, this roster is loaded because we had, you know, multiple first-round picks pumped into the defensive side of the ball, that doesn't make them good by default. Right. And and I think when you look at it that way, and, and this is where you got to get realistic about how has Goody performed. And and you know, I know Ryan's done a lot of chatter back and forth. I don't mean to laugh, but man, him and cheese balling, boy, it's it's gotten heavy on Packernet after dark, which I absolutely love. When people have differing opinions, as long as uh, you know, a, a rational approach can can kind of prevail right, can come out of that and go, okay, I, I see your side, but I respectfully disagree. I see your side, but I respectfully disagree. When it turns into just arguing apples to oranges, that, to me, that's when I'm like, I kind of check out, right? But if it can be a constructive conversation to where both parties come away and kind of learn something, that's the conversation I'm here for, right? So what I want to do is just I'm going to I'm going to present you the information. Do not shoot the messenger. OK, don't get mad at me. This is what the PFF grades are for the roster. And then we're going to wrap up with talking about, OK, here are the true draft needs by tier of importance as far as position. And here are some players that kind of come to mind there at that number 15 pick. If indeed we stay at number 15 or even possibly trade up a little bit. But let's just jump right into it on offense. Let's start with the quarterback, Jordan Love. 
Obviously, he had a minimal amount of snaps. We're not going to factor him into the team average because really the ultimate goal is at the end of this exercise, guys, we want to come away and go, okay, what was when you take all 11 players, or in this case on offense, there's only nine players because two of the starters actually had minimal snaps. I want you to think about that when we talk about, you know, how great Goody is and how perfect he's been. And and I don't mean to come across as a smart aleck. And I know Ryan has never said that Goody is perfect, right? So this is – I'm not pertaining to Ryan. I'm talking about other people on Twitter that, that it doesn't matter what you say. Goody is great at his job, and he, he's kind of off limits, right? Why? Because, because we got Jair Alexander, okay? That's one player, right? Uh, you know, because he's did good in free agency, which he's done really, really well in free agency, although the free agents that we absolutely love really slid back last year. Rasul Douglas slid back. Devondre Campbell slid back, right? So were they just kind of a flash in a pan on those strong years? They got their contract and it kind of kind of slid back a bit. I don't know. I'm not I'm not the one here sitting here saying, oh, they're horrible or they've, you know, they haven't performed up the par. As a matter of fact, I kind of look look at Devondre Campbell similar to Aaron Rodgers last year. For the people that wanted to hate on Aaron Rodgers and say, oh, he's underperformed, he's the reason the team's losing, he was still one of the top players on the team. What's that say about the rest of the roster? Right. So if Aaron Rodgers was so freaking bad and he still outperformed the ma- a large majority of the people on the roster, what's that say about the roster construction? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say Goody has done a great job and then say Aaron Rodgers sucks, but Aaron Rodgers outperformed the majority of the roster that Goody created, right? Or, or put together. And again, this is just identifying what is wrong with the roster, what went wrong last year. And then we're going to break it down into an average rank per player, per position. So on offense, that will be averaged out over nine positions because we're not going to include Jordan Love or Samori Torres' position because they both had minimal snaps. And some of you are going, no, I want you to include Love because he had a 78.7. Okay, if you want me to do that, then we got to include Samori Torres' 49.3 PFF grade. Probably don't want to do that. You can see it's going to be skewed in, in both angles there. Right. And we're going to come away and do the same thing on defense. So let's just jump right into it so we don't run out of time. Jordan Love, 78.7. Again, minimal snaps. That won't go into the average. I'm excited about that. Man, 78.7. It was only one game, 20 some snaps. I get you. I'm with you. But if Jordan Love can come out and perform in the 70s, his first year as a starter, that's a huge win for the Packers. I'd be very excited about it. If he comes out and performs in the 80s, guys, whoo, look out. We got our next franchise quarterback, right? And that's what I'm hoping for. So up next, you've got halfback Aaron Jones, an 86.1. He is the sixth highest ranked uh, or highest graded, I should say, running back, according to PFF. So he's a top 10 running back, borderline top five. They had him ranked six. Okay. Next is wide receiver Christian Watson. Rookie wide receiver Christian Watson, 77.1. He ranked 24th at the wide receiver position. That's very exciting. Very exciting. He's You can say he is a starting caliber wide receiver, a number one slash number two receiver, depending on how your offense operates and where you want to line him up, whether it's the X, the Z, you want to move him in and out of the slot, you want him to be kind of a slot bully. However, I personally like him as that boundary receiver, right? I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's X or Z. I could care less. Put him on the outside and let him stretch the freaking defense. You know, several times last year they had him cross in the middle on short dig routes and things, and, and it kind of bothered me. It's like, man, you, you're you really 
that's why I looked at the scheme at times last year, and I'm going to try not to get off on these little tangents, but these are the things that come back to me when, when you're talking in depth about the roster. So many times last year, you've seen him on, on short intermediate routes, and it's like nobody is stretching the field right now, Matt. Nobody's stretching the field. What's that allow? That allows the defense to really snug up. Right? Who's going to stretch the field? Was it Sammy Watkins? Was it Romeo Dobbs? No, it wasn't. Which I'm still amazed at how many people think Romeo Dobbs had an awesome year, an outstanding year. It's like, bro, did you not see the drops and did you not see the PFF grade? But Christian Watson is one of those, man, he, he looks like the real deal. He graded out 24th. Up next is Romeo Dobbs, 62.6. Guys, he was the 85th best wide receiver according to PFF. What's that equate to? You got 32 teams, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm no mathematician here, but I believe it comes out to like 96 right at 100 for a starting quality if you're the third best wide receiver, right? So he graded out at 85. So you're talking about 64 from 64 to that 95 range, 96 range. You know, let's just call it 100. He grades out more as a number three receiver than he does a number two receiver as far as rankings across the entire National Football League, okay? So he didn't have quite the season that some might suggest he did. However, he was a later-round pick, and he did still grade out in the 60s, which we've seen in the past can be kind of promising, although we said the same thing about Eric Stokes the year before, and he regressed really, really bad. You know, and some people will say, well, he got hurt. That's why. Guys, he had like over 200 snaps, if I remember correctly. That's a significant amount. And we'll get the defense in a minute, but just while I'm on it, a 53.7 PFF grade for Stokes? Like, no. And it wasn't because of the injury. The dude was playing horrible. Let's hope we can get that cleaned up. But, again, Romeo Dobbs ranks 85th. All right. Uh, next is wide receiver Samori Torre. Some of you guys are going, Samori Torre ain't a starter. He is right now. <laughs> he is right now. He's your third best receiver on the roster. He had a minimal snap count, so he's not going to count towards the average. But again, his PFF grade of 49.3. That's horrible. Horrible. Up next is tied in Josiah Aguara, right? Now we know Josiah Aguara typically plays H, right? Um, you know, he's kind of that H back type. Well, guys, we only have pretty much Josiah Aguara and Tyler Davis as tied ends. I put Aguara in because he's obviously had the majority of the snaps, and we think his his role will be expanded a little bit, uh, being that you know former third round pick. Let's hope he can step up and kind of live up to that. But a fifty seven point two is his PFF grade. Fifty seven point two. He was the fifty second best tight end in the entire NFL in a league where predominantly there's only one tight end on the field the majority of the time. Okay, and he was fifty second. You know, it was only 32 teams, so you do the math. That's that's really bad, okay? It bothers me it was a third-round pick, you know, because, you know, third-round pick, you don't expect them to come in their first year and contribute, you know, right away. But it's like, man, that's you 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 see him as a top 100 prospect. And to grade out of the 57.2 is rough, man, it is. Up next, you got offensive tackle, left tackle, David Bakhtiari, a 79.8. That put him the 12th best tackle in the league. Um, so, you know, at times he played elite, but overall for the entire season, and I know he battled through injuries, a 79.8, he comes out 12th. Up next, you've got Elton Jenkins at left guard, 72.3.
he grades out as the 12th best uh, guard. So the same ranking at their respective positions there between David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Up next, you've got center Josh Myers. This one hurts bad because I, I see the center position as a tier two position of importance, right? It's, you know, there was times that I talked to Coach Hom, we do chalk talk and we'd be talking off the air and I'd be like, man, am I, am I wrong to think that center is almost as important as left tackle now? And, and he kind of appreciated the fact that I was putting that much stock in the center, but he still believed that left tackle, that blind side protector, really both tackles in general, in my opinion, are tier one positions. At least we're going to look at it like this in this exercise because whatever tackle you take to play right tackle right now, if you do take one at the number 15 pick, you're looking to probably work him into that left tackle role um, as David Bakhtiari you know, steps away from the game, whether it's next year, two years, three years from now. If he gets traded, gets cut, who knows. But David Bakhtiari, 79.8. Uh, he ranked 12th, and then Elton Jenkins, 72.3. He ranked 12th amongst guards. Um, center Josh Myers, though, at 62.4, 26th, guys. He ranked 26th. Like, there is there is just a handful of centers that were worse than him in the league um, as far as a starting center goes. That's just – that's horrible. And, guys, that's a second-round pick, right? If I remember correctly, I don't have it pulled up. I believe Josh Myers was a second-round pick. That, I mean, you're starting to see some of the misses now, right? And and it's not to be overcritical of Goody. Again, I was expecting these numbers to look a little bit better when it comes to overall rankings across the league. And when I seen them, I'm like, holy cow, man, this, this roster, according to PFF, and if you guys don't agree with PFF, hey, I, I respect, respect your opinion. But to me, it is the best at giving you an overall grade of, hey, here's how the team's performing. Here are the glaring uh, mishaps. Here's the highlights of your roster. When I watch the tape, most of the time, it really lines up with what PFF's data uh, suggests. But, again, Josh Myers, man, 26, that's, that's rough. At right guard, you got John Runyon. Some people would say, oh, John Runyon's an up-and-comer, right? He's one of the better guards in the league now. He really stepped up. It's probably because we were comparing him to Royce Newman and Sean Ryan coming out of camp, and, and we've seen that, that that's another third-round pick with Sean Ryan. It's been kind of a disaster. Uh, and I hope he turns it around. I know he tested positive for a banned substance. I don't know all the details there. Probably shouldn't even speak on it. But we heard about him in camp just getting absolutely dominated in camp. And then he comes out and, I mean, that's another third-round pick. That's that's rough. I mean, so now when you just when you're talking about third-round picks, you're talking about Josiah Aguara, 57.2, horrible. You're talking about um, – you're talking about uh, – I'm trying to think of the other one that we just uh, we just mentioned in the third round. Uh, another one that came to mind was Amari Rogers, who's no longer on the roster. Right, That was a third-round pick. Like, it's just – we keep whiffing on third-round picks over and over and over. It's tough, man. It's it's tough to – it's tough to stomach. It really is. Um, but at right tackle, I listed Zach Tom, okay? And I listed Zach Tom because – if it were me personally, I would go with Zach Tom over Yash. That's just the way I feel, and, and a lot of people disagree with that. And I know we just picked up Yash's tender. I think it was a little over $4 million. That move didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know you guys, as soon as the season wrapped up, I was kind of talking about, yeah, Yash at the right price. You slapped the tender on him. Now you got a $4 million cap. I don't know if many people would have went after Yash for that price. But Zach Tom graded out as a 68.3, right? He grades out as a 68.3. Yash graded out as a, a, a 
Like, why not go with Zach Tom at right tackle? You know, that's just kind of the way I see it. So let's plug and play Zach Tom into that spot since he has a better grade. You notice I'm not trying to draw a narrative. I'm not trying to manipulate the the uh, the position group, the uh, the roster that I'm laying out here as my projected starters to make Goody look bad. I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm putting the the higher-graded person in, which we know based off of picking up the tender, they're planning on starting Yash over Zach Tom. So me plugging and playing Zach Tom into this equation actually gives you a better case scenario than what they're probably going to do based off of the salary cap hit that's laid out. But Zach Tom at a 68.3, he was the 40th best tackle uh, in the NFL. Now that puts you in that, you know, top 64 range there because obviously, you know, 32 teams in the league, you got two tackles, therefore 64 kind of make the list. That 40 is flirting with that top 32, right? But again, they seem to like Yash over Zach Tom, so that, you know, I kind of disagree with that. So that's your offensive side of the ball, right? To go over the, the rankings again real quick, halfback, you were sixth, wide receiver 24th, wide receiver 85th. Um, the other wide receiver was incomplete just like the quarterback. Uh, tight end, you were 52nd. Tackle your 12th, guard your 12th, center your 26th, guard your 37th, and tackle your 40th. Guys, that's not, you know, according to PFF. Again, this isn't my opinion. This is PFF's data. That's pretty rough. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball real quick. Uh, edge defender, Rashawn Gary, 82.9. He was the 15th highest graded edge defender in the league. Solid there. And we all know Rashawn Gary was kind of battling through some stuff last year. And then, of course, he he blows the knee up. Hopefully he comes back as healthy as ever. Up next, you got defensive line Kenny Clark. I, I, I know it's just a matter of time before people start calling me a Kenny Clark hater because um, – I, I love Kenny Clark, the person. I love that he showed flashes early in his career. I love that he's still fairly young. Uh, you hear his backstory, his personal life. Man, you're not going to get a, a a better story as far as someone overcoming adversity when he was very young. I'm not going to get into the details. It's not my place to say if you don't know. You go dig it up and, and draw your own conclusion. But the man has just dealt with so much uh, from an early age. You want him to win. But his PFF grade, man, and you can see it on tape. It's one of the main reasons that our run defense was so bad last year. A 66.4, he was the 45th uh, ranked defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman in the entire National Football League. And and some people go, well, it's Kenny Clark. I, you know, guys, his cap hit has now been reduced because they reworked it. But he's the third highest cap hit, even after reworking the deal with Voidable Years. He's the third highest cap hit on the entire roster at $12.9 million this year in 2023. And he ranked 30 or he ranked 45th in the entire NFL. I mean, that's that's rough. Up next, I plugged in Devontae Wyatt as the second defensive line starter, right? I don't I still cannot figure out why he didn't get more snaps. Although after looking at it, he did get a significant amount of snaps last year, a lot more than I remembered him getting. But he graded out as a 69.9. That makes him the 32nd ranked defensive lineman. Guys, that's a solid rookie performance. If I had to say one way or another right now, you had to pick, he's either a, a hit or a miss when it comes to Goody's draft pick. I'm saying Devontae Wyatt was a hit, and I'm excited to see him get more snaps this year. Um, I, I mean, he graded out better than Kenny Clark. Granted, there was quite a few, uh, quite a bit, you know, fewer snaps than Kenny Clark had. But still, and when you look at Devontae Wyatt and what his cap hit is, 
I haven't even looked at this. Let's take a look. $2.9 million against the cap. I mean, to put that into perspective, just from cap hit alone, forget the money we pushed out. Forget the fact that Kenny Clark has $34 million in dead cap. Guys, I mean, that, that's literally he, – he's six times – Let's just let's let's don't over exaggerate here. Let's make sure we under you know undershoot it here. He's five times cheaper than Kenny Clark, and according to PFF, he played better than him when he was on the field. That's that's rough to defend. For me, being someone who's defended Goody in the past, it's rough for me to look at that and go, "Yeah, man, Kenny Clark's the guy." Right? It, it, Ryan first brought it up several years uh, ago. I think it was a couple years ago. He was like, "I don't think Kenny Clark grades out or is has been as good as some people might think." You know, he played very well under Mike Pettin, and then as soon as Mike Pettin leaves, his numbers really dip, his production dips, his PFF grade dips, and that's what really got me thinking. I remember hearing Ryan say that on his podcast, and I thought, man, I got to disagree with that. Ken Clark's a beast. And here I am a couple years later going, dang, Ryan was right. <laughs> Kenny Clark struggled, you know. Um, and, again, it's when you talk about the cap hit, that's rough, man. $12.9 million against the cap. But Devontae White grading out 32nd, that helps, right? I want to see him get a lot more snaps this year. Um, the other edge defender position, Preston Smith, 66.4, gang. A 66.4. Um, that makes him the 53rd ranked edge defender in the entire National Football League. In the bottom half of that second edge defend, defender uh, position, and what we're, you know, kind of declaring is a nickel defense, right? Where you're going to have – obviously, you're going to have two edge defenders regardless, whether you're playing a 4-3 or a 34. Sometimes people like to play the five-man front and and have one of the uh, one of the outside linebackers kind of play that fifth man that would technically become the edge defender. Um, I don't want to jumble up this exercise too much with getting into X's and O's and, and that type of talk. But, uh, yeah, again, Preston Smith, 66.4. Ranked 53rd. Let's move on to linebacker. Devondre Campbell, 74.2. And some people go, oh, that's, you know, he was way better last year. What happened? He declined. Yeah, he was he was way better last year. But when you look at this roster, he's still a top three defensive player on this roster, right? What's that say about the rest of the roster? These are things that are hitting me in the forehead like, wow, this roster is not as good as I thought it was. And, and and this is according to PFF. So, again, Devondre Campbell, 74.2. He ranks 19th in the uh, in the entire NFL. When you look at his cap hit, Devondre Campbell's cap hit's only $5.5 million. Granted, it got reworked. There's 15.2 in dead cap attached. Um, and I'm not going to make this a contract episode. We can talk about that stuff on a later pod. But uh, I just want to point out he's, he's ranked 19th. Now, up next is really – this is one that I've talked about all year, and and I seem to be in the minority. I could be wrong. Um, a lot of people like to jump on Quay Walker for the mental mistakes, right? Where he, you know, got ejected from the game, and and kind of that in the most crucial moment of the game, he he kind of had that mental lapse. I don't. I'm not going to hold that over a kid's head, right? Someone who's that young, you're going to have those kind of mistakes. And for for me, it shows he cares. Um, he's a guy who's violent. He's a guy who attacks the ball when he when he makes a tackle. Man, it's a violent collision. I love the way he flows to the ball. He's got all the athleticism in the world, which su suggests that man, you've got you've got a ton of potential there, right? Untapped potential. You guys remember on draft night last year when they took Quay Walker? Everybody on Ryan's live draft stream went, "Who? What?" Because some people had him graded out as a third round pick. 
I had a third round grade on him. It was like a borderline second to third round grade. And when I say grade, I didn't watch the tape and say, here's the grade I'm putting on the player. I used my system from people that I trust, put all the information into the computer, and bang, I got my big board. I did not see him as a first-round pick. And when Goody took him and I looked at the athleticism, I said, oh, there's a ton of potential there, man. This might be a gym. I got ex- as excited as anyone. Again, I'm not a Goody hater. When they made the pick, I said, hey, Goody knows way more than me. I'm just an idiot redneck from Tennessee that's trying to figure out exactly how rosters are constructed and what front offices are looking at and how the scouting departments operate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, man, Quay Walker's grade, a 51.9. And some people are going, oh, wait, well, didn't he break the all-time rookie uh, or the, uh, the single-season rookie record for tackles in Green Bay history? If he did that, I'm not sure if he did. I think he might have, but it was with one extra game, first of all. But also, how many times did we bash the Chicago Bears fans? Because they were talking about Roquan Smith and all his tackle numbers. It was, oh, tackle numbers don't matter. Then all of a sudden, Quay Walker gets a ton of tackles, and it's, see, look at the tackles, <laughs> right? I, that that doesn't mean a hill of beans to me, that tackle stat. What matters to me is being schematically sound and how consistent you are and being in the right place at the right time and making sure you're playing your role and not hero ball within a defense. I'm not suggesting that Quay Walker's selfish and he's just trying to get his tackle numbers up. I don't think he looks at it like that at all. But when I seen the tape, so many times I've seen him get washed out of a play, and people would say, oh, wait, it wasn't even his assignment anyway. That doesn't matter. When 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 a read option was ran, it might have been in the Philly game, I think it was, when they ran a read option, which is basically you put the ball in the belly of the running back and you're reading the the defensive end, right, the edge defender, and if he crashes on the ball, you pull that ball and you take it around the corner with the quarterback, right? If he stays at home, you leave that ball in the belly of the running back and you play kind of an inside zone game. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, zone, but that's how the play is designed. When I watched him run the opposite direction after the running back, right, And then once he realizes the running back doesn't even have the ball, the quarterback has already taken the edge. And I had people who claim to be defensive gurus on Twitter saying, no, he, that was his assignment. He, 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 you know, kept his responsibility clean. BS. Another player with the football is running in the opposite direction as him. And his back is turned to that defender. You're going to tell me that was a good snap for Quay Walker. No, it's not. Right. And I seen far too much of that last year. Again, I seen potential and I'm excited to see what he does in his second year. But we got to get that grade up from a 51.9. Guys, he ranked 70th. 70th. Guys, that means 32 teams, two linebackers on the field predominantly in a nickel defense at inside linebacker. I'm not not including outside linebackers where they're technically edge defenders in the way that I grade, you know, the game. He wasn't even qualified. He didn't even grade out high enough to be the worst number two linebacker in that nickel defense in the NFL. That's according to PFF. You may disagree. That's totally cool, right? We can respectfully disagree. I'm not here to tell you I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just pointing out the data. That's what it suggested. I had somebody tell me the other day on Twitter that Goody nailed the draft last year that he literally drafted in the first round our best defensive player on the entire roster. And I was like, you're saying that Quay Walker 
is the best defensive player on the Packers roster. Quay Walker is better than Jai Alexander. Quay Walker is better than Rashawn Gary. Quay Walker is better than, you know, uh, Devondre Campbell. Like, are we, are we watching the same game? So let's hope he turns it around. But again, Quay Walker, 70th. Up next is Jair Alexander, man. We're, let's get into some good, right? Because so far this has been pretty rough, according to PFF. Jair Alexander, 80.3. He was the eighth-ranked corner in the in the entire National Football League last year. That's great contract extension. I know Jair Alexander was a little bit inconsistent at times last year, but as soon as I started to doubt him, he'd step up with a big pick and and would turn a game around, especially there against Minnesota late in the year. So fun to see him really turn it on and and just rub it in Justin Jefferson's face. It was absolutely awesome. So uh, Jair Alexander, one of the one of the the shining points right here on this defense as he ranks eighth. Up next, you got Rasul Douglas at a seventy one point one. He grades out as the thirtieth best corner. I think that's solid in my opinion for a number two corner because you guys know once Eric Stokes got hurt. When the season, it, it's easy to forget these things, but if I remember correctly, when the season started, your boundary corners were Jai Alexander and Eric Stokes, and you had Russell Douglas playing the playing the slot, right? I don't feel like that went really well. As soon as Stokes got hurt, Russell bumped back outside, and you started moving Savage down to the slot a bit. I think he played some other players at the slot as well. All of a sudden, the defense got better, right? I didn't look at that as – Russell Douglas played bad in the slot. I looked at it like Eric Stokes was really playing bad on the outside, and we'll get to that in a second. But Russell Douglas at a 71.1, he's 30th. He's ranked 30th amongst corners in the NFL. That's that's solid for a number two corner. I'm happy with that. We're good. Good job, Goody. That's a heck of a, a price tag on him as well. I mean, when you look at his cap hit, it's only $4.4 million in 2023, and I know they reworked his a little bit. Um, but – uh that was that's a nice pickup there as well. And same thing with Devondre Campbell, man. Devondre Campbell, five point five million against the cap this year. Those are solid free agent signings. That's where Goody has really excelled. And I know Ryan's pointed that out several times on his pod and on Packernet after dark. Completely agree. Goody is a a beast at finding those those deal players in free agency that can kind of step in and be role players. It's been it's been it really more than role players in my opinion. Up next, you've got corner. Uh, Eric Stokes, very similar to Quay Walker, a 53.7. And, guys, he had over 200 snaps. It wasn't like Eric Stokes only played 40 snaps and got hurt. I heard some people say that. He had a down year, but he got hurt. That They, they didn't grade him after he got hurt, gang. That was when he was on the field and he was healthy, right? A 53.7, that puts him 105th. You want to know why the defense struggled early in the year before Eric Stokes uh, went on injured reserve? Because your number two corner was performing like a number four corner. That's a fact. And you, some of you are going, well, PFF isn't everything. Okay, I got it. Again, I respect the opinion. But when you watch the tape and you see Eric Stokes doesn't have the awareness to turn around and find the ball when he's playing, you know, press man coverage or at least man principles in that Vic Fangio style defense, it's like you know the ball's coming. You see the wide receiver reacting and you don't even have the wherewithal to turn your head and try to find the ball. Like when he's, he has all the athleticism in the world. And this is what scares us to death about the draft. I heard Ryan talking about it again the other day. Talking about they'll probably just take a cornerback that has an uh, uh, unbelievable RAS score. They did it with Kevin King. It was a bust. They've done it with Eric Stokes. You got a 53.7. Like sooner or later, you've got to put 
just as much weight into the tape as you do the RASs or the athletic uh, grade that, you know, grading system that, that Goody's using, his scouting staff's using. Like, yes, you need the athleticism, absolutely. But you're seeing several different moments here or several different spots on defense. Quay Walker, they chose athletic score over what the tape said. He graded out as a 51.9. He's grading out to what you've seen in college, a guy who's raw and has a ton of athletic potential, but just doesn't play very smart football. And, I, and I'm not talking about the mental mistakes of getting ejected from the game. I'm talking about just, just executing your role in the defense. You're seeing the same thing with Eric Stokes, 53.7, 105th ranked. Uh, up next, you got my my boy, uh, Rudy Ford. Man, I, I love this dude. I'm so glad they brought him back. To me, he was one of the bright points on the defense last year, one of the few bright points. And uh, Rudy Ford playing free safety, a 74.6. He was the 17th ranked safety in the NFL last year. And, and the way that they do on safety on PFF, they put both free safety and strong safety together, and that's how it's ranked. So, um that's a solid grade for me. I'm totally happy with that. I'm glad he's going to be playing free safety again. That's what I'm looking for. What I'm worried about is if they try to move him to strong safety like they did Adrian Amos, and that affects him. I would rather you keep Rudy at free safety where he feels comfortable, let him grow into that position, uh, possibly work himself into a contract extension if you think, hey, this is our free safety of the future. Because you guys know that's a that's a position of need uh, or a tier two position of importance for me. It's huge to have a solid free safety. In the past, all the great teams, just in Packers history, look at the great teams. You know, in 96 when they won the Super Bowl, who did they have playing safety? Granted, he played in the box quite a bit, but also played some free safety, and he even had a solid backup. But you had Leroy Butler, right? And you had a, a solid a, a solid number two. I can't remember his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I don't want to miss uh, misname him here. But um, the safety position was solid. In 2010-2011 season when the Packers won the Super Bowl, who was your free safety? It was Nick Collins, right? You started again. Let's let's re rewind back to the first part of the season last year. Why was the defense struggling so bad? You had Savage playing free safety, and Savage playing free safety was absolutely horrendous. And then once they put Rudy Ford in there, the defense turned around. It just so happens that that all kind of happened together around the same time, if I remember correctly, that Eric Stokes went down with an injury. So you had two things happen that really transformed this defense into a better defense outside of the run defense. You had Rasul Douglas sliding back out to the boundary. You moved, uh, you moved uh, Darnell Savage down to play slot corner, that star position. You put Rudy Ford in at free safety, and you kept uh, Adrian Amos in at strong safety. Now, Adrian Amos performed really, really bad himself, had a really bad year. Now, he's no longer on the roster. I know Ryan was mentioning the other day, like to see him, like to see the Packers go sign him back. Um, I would be okay with that. But at the same time, you got to kind of curb the enthusiasm. Not, not I'm telling Ryan to curb the enthusiasm. Speaking to myself here, I've got to curb the enthusiasm. I'm not, I'm not telling the listeners to do that because Adrian Amos really struggled last year. For the right price, I'd like to have him back, but definitely don't overpay. Um, so, again, Rudy Ford, 17th. This next one, Darnell Savage. This is tough. I look up his safety grade and where he graded out and everything. Um, he has a 47.5. A 47.5. He was 87th out of 88. There was only one safety that was worse than him as far as PFF grade goes, a 47.5. Now, some of you guys are going, yeah, why harp on it, Clayton? We know he's bad. You've, you said it over and over. Here's, here's why it bothers me so bad. We just picked up his fifth-year option. 
So we're paying him almost $8 million. She's like $7.9 million, I believe. Let me see here. Darnell Savage, $7.9 million. Guys, to put that into perspective, he's one, two, three, four, five, six. He's the seventh highest cap hit on the roster this year. And he graded out as a 47.5. There was only one safety in the entire NFL that was worse than him last year. He ranked 87th. That's horrible. Horrible. He played better as a slot defender, but at the same time, he still struggled there too. I think it just – it just goes to show you how important that free safety position is. You can't just plug and play somebody back and go, oh, he can play mediocre and be okay. No, it's it's right down the center of that defense. Nose tackle, middle linebacker, and free safety. I have recently moved nose tackle or interior defensive lineman to a tier one position of importance. So now on defense, you've got edge defender and interior defensive lineman are my tier ones. It's It all starts up front. Look at the great teams last year. Like, look at Philadelphia. They are so good in the trenches on both sides of the ball, it's not even funny. I mean, you can, you can find some of, the, some of the best teams in the league. That's how it is, right? That's how it grades out. So, some of you guys are saying, okay, well, Stokes isn't going to play slot if Rasul doesn't play slot, and Keyshawn Nixon is going to play slot like Matt LaFleur said, which that could have been a smoke screen, but I'm hoping it's not. Let's say Keyshawn Nixon plugs into the, the slot position, right? Then you've got Keyshawn Nixon at 63.9. That grades out as, six, as 61st with him being the slot corner, triggering in the nickel. Um, that would mean that you would have, what, 96? So he would be 61st out of 96 in corners. That's good. So let's hope Keyshawn Nixon gets the nod over Stokes. Guys, if Stokes is going to perform at a 53.7, get him off the field. And this is where, in my opinion, Goody has screwed up in the past, is you're not willing to accept that you made a mistake on a draft pick. You know, DeGuara, we're kind of looking at that right now. You know, 57.2. It's like, why why are we still trying him at tight end? And I know he's more of an H-back, but still, like, at what point do we go, okay, this isn't working, right? The great, you know, people bashed. Who is they bashed? Packers fans the other day were bashing the Detroit Lions for trading uh, Jeff Okuda for next to nothing, right? But what they didn't mention is they cleared. I think it was, I think it was eleven million. It might might have been seven million. I can't remember. Whatever it was, it was a significant cap hit they cleared by just trading him for a draft pick. But guys, he was like the number three pick in the draft. It takes a it takes a lot of guts to swallow your pride and go, we made a huge mistake there. But the only thing worse than making a mistake with a bad draft pick is refusing to admit you made that mistake in correcting your roster. If you plug and play Keyshawn Nixon in the slot and you remove Eric Stokes, who's a 53.7, you've increased, according to PFF, 10 full points, and you've actually raised yourself up 44 spots, ranking positions, according to PFF at one position. So I love that Matt LaFleur came out and said that. I just hope he sticks to his guns. And who knows, man? Eric Stokes may find himself working himself into a safety position. I don't see it personally, but crazier things have happened, right? Now, I'm not suggesting they should do that, and you hate to lose out on that first-round pick, but, man, how many times are we going to whiff on these first-round picks? You know, we were talking about Demarius Randall the other day, and I know we're going way back, but anybody who says this is a different regime, it's not a different regime. Goody took over, yes, but Goody was one of the head scouts for Ted Thompson. Right. We know how this is structured. You got Mark Murphy at the top as the acting president, the acting owner, if you will. Right. You got Russ Ball who's handling contracts. 
and you've got Brian Gutekunst, who's your GM, right? And typically your GM in the Packers organization, back then it was Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson really, really keyed in on scouting, right? That's what they leaned on was scouting. But there's something broken within this DB thing of trying to draft safeties. I mean, look at all the safeties we've drafted. Morgan Burnett, right? Demarius Randall. Let's even go just DBs, right? Ahmad Carroll back in the day. You guys remember him, right? Way back in the day, right? Ahmad Carroll, swing and a miss. You had, um, and not necessarily in this order, I'm just kind of rattling them off. You had Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I think we would all agree, man, he didn't live up to be a first round pick, right? Love the guy, but it just didn't work. You had Morgan Burnett. You had Demarius Randall. Like, there's something wrong there. There's some kind of disconnect. And I'll tell you what I think it is. They're focusing too much on athletic profile. They're focusing, and not that they're specifically looking at RAS. I'm I, I'm 100% sure they're not. But when you look at it, they always take a safety or a DB that has a huge RAS. That's why you drafted Kevin King. Kevin King was a bust, right? So now you've done it with Eric Stokes, and look at what's happened. It's, it's looking like he's probably going to be a bust. Now, Jair Alexander, you knocked that one out of the park. But one out of, like, seven, that's not good. That's not. And, again, I'm not here to bash Goody. I'm laying the information out so we can kind of see. When I look at this information I just wrote now, I took about an hour just compiling this info. I'm like, yeah, this makes total sense why we underperformed last year. But I know, I know, it was just Aaron Rodgers. And you take into account, too, with the wide receivers, we had Alan Lazard last year, right? We had Randall Cobb. Even with those two guys. With Mercedes Lewis as a tight end, he was one of the shorthanded tight ends last year. Like, he didn't drop any passes. Like if he did, it's very, very few, right? And, and even then, we led the league in drops. Our wide receiving core led the league in drops. They were tied for first with another team in drops. Now you remove Lazard and Cobb, and we're somehow expecting this wide receiver room to get better. And, and I, I'm not saying this like, oh, watch this. This is going to implode. I think we've got all the potential in the world. I do. And I want to think positive. You guys know I've I've been dubbed and stamped the positive, the quote unquote positive Packers podcaster, right? But you've got to, you've really got to call it like you see it. As Greg Cosell says, if you see it, you got to say it. Jordan Love, are we setting him up for failure? Like this is bad. Outside of Christian Watson, who does he have to throw the ball to? And, and we're not even looking at wide receiver and tight end as these tier one of importance positions, right? So it's tough. It is. So I just want to mention slot corner, Keyshawn Nixon. You could possibly plug him in there, although I'm sticking with Stokes because we know it's his first-round pick. History has suggested that Goody will want to force that first-round pick into a starting role, so I'm expecting Stokes, if he's healthy for week one, to get a lot of playing time and really be fighting for one of those top three spots. Although Matt LaFleur did say Keyshawn Nixon was going to play slot. I hope that happens. I really do. Also, you picked up a safety in Tarvarius Moore, right? He's a 64.7 PFF grade. That was 51st. Not great, but I'll tell you this. It's way better than the 47.5 of Darnell Savage. But again, if you're paying Darnell Savage $7.9 million against the cap fully guaranteed this year, I have a hard time believing Savage is going to start at safety over to – or uh, Tarverius Moore is going to start at safety over Darnell Savage. So I've got Savage penciled in as a starter right now. Why else are you going to pay him $8 million? And, and again, Stokes is now healthy, if he is, right? And then Keyshawn Nixon is – 
supposedly the front runner for the slot position, where's Savage going to play other than safety? That's why I don't understand the fifth-year option. Why did we pick that up? And this is, again, we we like to hound on the lines for trading Jeff Okuda, right? But what did they do? That rookie contract traveled, right? It went with them. So that clears off the books. If it's me, I'm trading Darnell Savage for a seventh-round pick, some kind of conditional pick. Find someone who had him the same as the Packers, maybe a first or a second-round grade, and say, hey, man, we're looking to just get rid of the cap here. What would you give us for him, right? Because you can't cut him. If you cut him, it's fully guaranteed, right? That money's already on the books. There's nothing you can do about it, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, dead cap is the same number as the uh, the cap hit itself in $7.9 million. So that that's what I would be trying to do. And some of you are going, well, free agency is already too deep. There ain't nobody we can sign now. Why not just keep them off the roster? Because there's a thing called cap rollover, guys. If we free up that $7.9 million in cap, and we take it with us through this season, it's going to roll over into the cap next year. It's not like, oh, you lose out on it if you don't spend it, right, which is something that that Goody and, and this philosophy that Ryan has talked about, he likes so well. And I, in the past, have been a very, very avid supporter of it. I've been very vocal that I like the way they do things, you know. Um, but here recently I find myself doing exercises like this going, man, have I been wrong this whole time, right? Um, so Tarverius Moore – if you plugged and played him over Savage, that would be a significant increase, right? Just in those two positions there. You know, if you if you put Keyshawn Nixon, if you played him over Stokes, not suggesting Stokes would be a slot corner, but again, you got to have three corners predominantly on the field when you're playing that nickel defense. If you have Alexander Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon instead of Stokes, you gain, excuse me, 40 ranking spots there, and then you start to various more over Darnell Savage then you go from 51 to 87, you're picking up another, what, 36 spots. So just alone there, you've increased your ranking by 70-some spots in just two positions. That's, I mean, that to me, that seems pretty huge. If indeed you take PFF information uh, and, you, and you look at it as, hey, this is a good solid source. Another thing to consider too, Tyler Davis at tied in. You know, I've got penciled in here, Josiah DeGuarda, 57.2. And you're thinking, well, you know, he's an H-back, so maybe Tyler Davis is going to play tight end. Now, we know they're going to draft a tight end. We know that the end, the end goal isn't to go into the season with just Aguara and Tyler Davis, right, and the other two guys that are on the roster. I don't mean to disrespect those guys, but I'm looking at this from an 11 personnel standpoint, and I want to really stick to those guns uh, for accuracy purposes. But Tyler Davis was the 50, uh, 56.7. Guys, he graded out 53rd. He was right behind Josiah Aguara to 57.2. And, and I, I'm not saying that the bash on Tyler Davis. What I'm saying is Tyler Davis has performed just as well as Josiah DeGuara, and you didn't spend a third-round pick on him. Again, how good is Goody? Like, these things are hitting me right in the face. Like, holy cow, man, this roster this roster is kind of a mess. And we're going to march Jordan Love out there and set him up to fail. Like, we have got to really knock this draft out of the park. And even then, we all would agree that in the past – First-round picks aren't, you know, they're, they're not a slam dunk to contribute right away. You know, some would say, well, look at Quay Walker. Quay Walker stepped in and he played – he was a starter all year. He was, you're right. But a 51.9, <laughs> like, that's not good, right? Um, whew, so, anyway, uh, 
The last one I want to touch on is right tackle Yash. Uh, Yash uh, I hear people say Nyman. I heard Rogers say Nijman one time. I don't know if that's a nickname for him or what. Maybe it is Nyman. Um, I'm just going to call him Yash. But if you plugged and played Yash over Zach Tom, your numbers go down. Uh, Yash was a 63.1. And, again, this is the thing that bothers me because Yash's cap hit is a $4.3 million cap hit since he signed that tender, right? So $4.3 million, basically uh, roughly $3 million more than Zach Tom against the cap, and he's five, uh, what 5.2 uh, PFF points lower than Zach Tom. Why not play Zach Tom at right tackle over Yash? Let Yash walk in free agency. Like it just, it doesn't compute to me. Again, according to PFF. Um, so that's how that lays out. Now let's talk about needs. When you look at this, let's go by tier of importance. All right, on offense, your number one tier, right? Your top tier positions of importance: quarterback and left tackle. I'm going to include right tackle as well because, like we said, if we draft a tackle. If he plays right tackle this year, he's eventually going to work himself into that left tackle role with David Bakhtiari getting older and and having the injuries and all that. So I would say right tackle is a top position of need in this draft on offense. Then second, you've got center. Then you've got two wide receivers you could potentially draft. That's how bad the wide receiver room is. And you also need two tight ends, which I haven't bumped them up to that second tier. So first tier of importance. Right tackle, this is on offense. Second tier of importance as far as position. Center, two wide receivers, and then below that, you need two tight ends. That's why it's hard for me to, as much as I want Michael Mayer on this football team, being a Notre Dame fan and knowing how good Michael Mayer, how good of a prospect Michael Mayer is, how good he was in college, doesn't mean any of these prospects are going to translate well to the NFL. We all know what a crap shoot that is, and Ryan's done a great job of explaining all GMs miss on draft picks, right? Um, for me, man, you've really got to key in on some of these needs because, you know, one of the reasons the offense was so bad was because the offensive line. And I, I don't see right tackle as much of a uh, a problem as I do center right now with Josh Myers being a 62.4. On the defensive side of the ball, what are our tier one importance, right, our top position, top most important positions, what do we need on that side of the ball? Defensive line and edge defender. Now, here's the problem with defensive line. Who are you replacing on defensive line? Your lowest graded player would be a Kenny Clark at a 66.4 or a Devontae White at a 69.9, right? So if a a top-tier talent falls to you, meaning a current top-tier talent in the NFL draft, you look at your horizontal board and absolutely hands down the best player on the board, there's nobody else in his tier, is a defensive tackle, I think it would be a slam dunk to go to go draft him. The same thing applies with edge defender. Why? Because Preston Smith underperformed grossly. Like, if you can, if you could draft a Lucas Van Ness, right, or uh, or a, an edge defender that's one of these top tier talents, at least when you're picking at 15, if you don't trade up or back, um, that significantly helps your roster right off the bat. Not that he would uh, take every snap away from Preston Smith. I'm not suggesting that. But to be able to rotate him in, and we know there's a chance Rashawn Gary won't be ready for week one, then he can plug and play right off the bat, uh, utilize that first round, that first round talent, try to get him some reps and just throw him right into the fire. What do you got to lose there? Right. Um, next, you got safety. 
Um, outside of Rudy Ford, that other safety spot, we've got to fix that. You guys know I've talked about Brian Branch. I would be totally cool with him taking Brian Branch. <laughs> Ryan, it sounds like Ryan strongly disagrees. And when Ryan disagrees with something, it really makes me step back and go, okay, am I missing something here, right? And uh, he's not a Brian Branch fan. I personally am. One of the things that Brian Branch does better than anybody else in this draft, anybody in the history of the draft as far as the PFF era, he's the top tackling safety in the PFF era to enter the draft. He's also, if he was a linebacker, his percentage of tack, his tackle percentage is something like not a little less than 98% is better than any linebacker that's been drafted in the PFF era. So what did we do so bad last year? You guessed it. We tackled bad. That's why the run defense was so bad. I showed them on a couple of plays on Chalk Talk, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and I think it was Eric Stokes at one time as well, all three getting turned around on one running play and couldn't make a tackle. You put Brian Branch in that in that rotational role, that late rotation, that strong safety, play him in the box, and let him get in there and do the dirty work. I mean, there was – I think there was one – I'm trying to think. I heard somebody talking the other day about him blowing up a play, and it was against a pulling offensive lineman. And one of the better offenses – it might have been – I don't want to misquote it. I mean, it was one of the top offensive tackles. It was like Skaronsky or Paris Johnson or someone. I can't remember who it was. They talked about him blowing up a pin and pull play where the where the the offensive line was pulling outside and Branch just put his freaking nose in there and blew it up. It's like that's what we needed last year. Not people playing Olay in the secondary and being afraid to tackle and getting turned around constantly. In some cases, turned around twice on the same play. Um, that was one of the big issues. So safety, tier two of importance as far as position. But man, that's a huge need because right now, if Savage is the guy you plug in there at eight million dollars per, you know, against the cap, a forty-seven point five, you go draft a Brian Branch, and that kind of fixes that problem, right? You got Rudy Ford playing free safety, you've got Brian Branch playing strong safety, throw him right into the fire, and then you've got a little bit of depth there with Savage and Tarvarius Moore and some of the other guys. Tariq Carpenter didn't have a horrible grade; he just had very minimal snaps. I, I didn't even mention him in the equation. The other thing is linebacker. Nobody wants to hear it, but Quay Walker's got to clean that up, man. 51.9. What if you had a great a great linebacker fall to you in the second or the third round? You're, you're going to draft one regardless. A lot of people don't understand that, but, you know, Chris Barnes walked in free agency. They're probably – there's a good possibility they're going to draft another linebacker. There's a good chance for that. Um, you got Isaiah McDuffie. Maybe he fights Quay Walker for a, start, a starting position there. And, and I know there's people rolling their eyes right now going, Quay Walker was a tackling machine. And, this, you know, he was a, a great a great defender last year. And it's a first-round pick. You don't want to sit him on the bench. I get it. And I, I come from the school of Bill Parcells where you don't want to have a bunch of progress stoppers on your roster. Progress stoppers meaning you've got a young player that needs snaps and needs to get better and needs to learn and grow. You don't want to plug a veteran in there and slow down that growth for that that you know that linebacker. Maybe this is the year to do it, seeing that Vegas, you know, gave us the the worst odds to win the NFC North of all four teams, even worse than the Bears. Um, I'm not trying to play doom and gloom. I expected these numbers to be way better, and this really slapped me in the face. And it, again, like Greg Cosell says, if you see it, you got to say it, right? And that's I just wanted to convey this information to go, hey, look, we really need to see where these problems are on this roster. I hate to break it to some of you people. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't the problem last year. This roster was the problem. Now, immediately people get defensive and say, no, this, this roster is loaded with talent. Why did they underperform? 
Aaron Rodgers wouldn't throw him the ball. Okay, so he was to throw him the ball to Darnell Savage? Why are they underperforming on the defensive side? Well, that's Joe Barry's fault. Okay, so on offense, it was all Aaron Rodgers' fault. On defense, it was all Joe Barry's fault. These these players are just – they're great. Every one of them are perfect, and it's everyone else's fault. Guys, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. You've got to really try to dig in here and understand, okay, what is the problem? And I don't think this roster is really far away. I don't. I think it's got a lot of potential. But there's some glaring holes that we have got to – got to check our eagle at the door. You know, Coach Hahn said something on Chalk Talk last year, and we were talking about special teams, I believe it was. And, and, I, and I asked him, he said, we, I'm trying to think of how he worded it. He said, we are not, not going to be a prideful team. We're not going to be a, an arrogant team, an arrogant football team. And, and what, he, what he said, he said, this is what I mean by it. Our best players are going to sp- play special teams. Like the days of I'm too good to play special teams are over. We need to do everything we can to maximize our potential. If I understood correctly, our special teams went from worst in the league to like 16th. Guys, that's a huge step. But then as soon as we do that, what happens? Tay wants out, which that's another topic. My goodness. People are still saying, well, Devontae Adams wanted to go to Vegas. That Goody couldn't do anything about that. BS. That that problem was from two years ago, three years ago now. And, and, and you know, we sit here and pretend like, oh, Tay just decided he didn't want to play here. That's No, they wouldn't give him the contract two years ago. And it festered and festered. He threw the Instagram posts out there of this is the last dance. Everybody, including the media, completely misread it as Aaron Rodgers was saying it's his last dance, when indeed what it was was Devontae Adams saying it was his last dance, right? So we trade him for two for two picks, right, if I remember correctly. One of those picks turns into a first-round pick. Now, whether that was the Quay Walker pick or it was the Devontae White pick, I can't remember. Regardless, use the first-round pick on Quay Walker, you know, I think it was Lombardi said it the other day. People don't like to talk about trading draft picks from the realistic standpoint of, guys, when you trade a player for a draft pick, make no mistake about it. It's still a player-for-player trade. When they trade Aaron Rodgers, if they trade Aaron Rodgers for the number 13 pick, and I don't think that's the case, it sounds to me like uh, the Packers are dug in on they want a second-round pick this year and a first-round pick next year. When this is all said and done, it's going to be you traded Aaron Rodgers for the player you took in the second round of 2023 and the player you took in the first round of 2024. Those two players for Aaron Rodgers, was it worth it, right? And it's like that across the board when you make a trade like that. So the fact that you wouldn't be willing to trade for a certain player, you wouldn't be willing to part ways with a third-round pick for, let's say, Darren Waller, right? And I'm not suggesting that was the right move, although, you know, Let's say this. If you would have traded last year's third-round pick for Darren Waller, which that's exactly from what I understand, that's what the deal was on the table, and Goody said no, right? Who was the third-round pick you took last year? Because I can't even remember. I probably shouldn't have even brung it up, but it's going to drive me crazy if I don't look it up. Some of you guys are screaming it right now. This is the pick. You moron, you do a podcast, you should know. Let me see your Packers draft picks, and I'm going to go 2022. Um. Third round pick. Oh my God. <laughs> it was Sean Ryan. A guy who didn't play all year long, an interior offensive lineman that tested positive for a banned substance and didn't play all year long. So 
If you take that a step further and say, if you were willing to trade that third round pick for Darren Waller, let me ask you this right now, guys. Would you be willing to trade Sean Ryan for Darren Waller? I think we all know what that answer is. And immediately somebody said, we can't afford Darren Waller. Please stop with that. Please stop with that. We have watched team after team after team make these contracts work. One of the only teams left that they're like, they're the team that really is kind of going against the trend of paying quarterbacks, right, was the Philadelphia Eagles. And they just gave Jalen Hurts that $250 million deal. Isn't it amazing that they still stay under the cap? Again, I'm not saying the cap is fake. The cap is very real. It's very date sensitive. But there are, there are a thousand ways that you can manipulate the cap to make this work. Now, let's look at if we had Darren Waller on this roster. Darren Waller over Josiah Aguara. Think about that. Darren Waller over Josiah Aguara. Imagine you're in your 11 personnel and it's Darren Waller at tight end instead of a 57.2 Josiah Aguara. Well, I wouldn't be willing to give up the draft pick, so you wouldn't trade Sean Ryan for that. Guys, come on. Come on. That's rough, man. Again, I'm typically a Goody defender, and you can go back. You can check the receipts. Um, man, I, I, I was one that was like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand roster building better than Goody, and to this day I will still trumpet that. But the people that are refusing to acknowledge that mistakes have been made is, man, that's that's wrong. And let's hope he fixes it. Let's hope he nails this draft class this year. We, we started last year, right? In my opinion, Christian Watson, Devontae Wyatt, were great picks, right? Um, Quay Walker, it's tough for me right now. I'm hoping he develops. I get his autographed jersey on the wall right behind me. I, I love the athleticism, but, man, just not seeing it yet. Um, so, at the number 15 pick, we're going to get ready to wrap up. Again, I just want to kind of lay this stuff out for you guys. At the number 15 pick, I'm thinking it's probably going to be right tackle, defensive line, or edge, right? So, if that's the case, okay, and again – why would you do a right tackle? Because if you're planning on starting Yash at right tackle, um, I would much rather have someone who's, you know, a Peter Skaronsky, a Paris Johnson, or a Broderick Jones. Now, if you go right tackle, those are the three top right tackles on my board that I feel like could possibly be available in the Packers pick at 15. Uh, now, you do the RAS checkout. Peter Skaronsky checks out. Paris Johnson has an incomplete, although I'm pretty sure he would check out. And then Broderick Jones. So all three are on the table. Most uh, more likely, Peter Skaronsky and Broderick Jones kind of fit that bill of what we like as far as RAS athletic uh, athletic profile. Okay, defensive line. Who's on the Who's on the table for defensive line? Uh, Jalen Carter. There's a chance he drops to 15. I doubt it, based off Drew Rosenhaus talking about they didn't want to interview with any teams outside of number 10, which is kind of a tip that the Philadelphia Eagles probably told Drew Rosenhaus. We're taking Jalen Carter with the number 10 pick. That doesn't mean that another player wouldn't fall to them and they change their mind. But it's it would be highly unlikely that Jalen Carter, defensive lineman out of Alabama, would fall to the Packers at number 15. If he did, you run the card up there. That's just my personal opinion. I know some people differ on that. You watch the tape on that guy for two years in a row. Oh my God. That's just that's that's my opinion. The next one would be Brian Breesey. Okay. Brian Breesey definitely fits the athletic profile. First of all, Jalen Carter um, did not finish his testing, so his RAS is incomplete. Brian Breesey knocked it out of the park. Next would be 
uh, Kalijah Kansi. Now, I feel like both of those guys, I'm going to pull up my board here real quick. Um, I'm like a Baptist uh, Baptist preacher. I'm, I'm going to wrap up, you know, three different times here before we <laughs> get you guys out of here. But I want to get this right here. Brian Breesey on my draft board is 24th, so it's a bit of a reach for the Packers, but it doesn't matter where I have him on my board. I'm just using it as reference that this is the type of system I use. What matters is where does Goody have him graded? Because Goody's grade is way, way more important than mine, right? Uh, you know, I'm not sitting here saying my board is more accurate than an NFL GM. Hopefully you guys understand it. It goes without saying. I still want to mention it because I don't want to come across like, oh, I think I know more than the team. That's not not the case at all. Kalaji uh, Kansi uh, comes in. He's the uh, defensive lineman out of pit. He comes in at the number 30 spot. So I'm not suggesting that you take them at 15, although if they've got a high enough grade on them and they want to do that, awesome. But that that kind of fits the mold of maybe a trade back. But, again, if you take a defensive lineman early and you're looking to get him significant playing time, that means he's got to start over Kenny Clark. I don't see him doing that. I don't see him doing that. I don't want anyone to start over Kenny Clark. I want Kenny Clark to play up to that contract. I want him to come out this year and at least grade out in the 70s. Because I'm telling you, it's it's – it's the reason we can't get pressure on the quarterback. It's the reason we can't stop the run is we are so soft in the middle right now. And it could be coaching. It could be scheme. It could be what they're working on. And Kenny's hands are tied. I don't know. I'm not in the meetings. All I know is he's underperforming, right? And the other position is edge defender. Um, three names that come to mind for me, Tyree Wilson. He has an incomplete RAS, although I'm sure he would check out. Um, you've got Miles Murphy, and you've got Lucas Van Ness. Again, Lucas Van Ness keeps popping up. That's one of those names that's like, man, it just seems like that might be the pick. But, again, I don't know. Um, so, of those three, uh, Tyree Wilson, if he were to fall, he's actually pretty high. He's actually eighth on the board. I would be ecstatic about him falling. Uh, the next one, Miles Murphy, is actually 13th. That's right there in that number 15 wheelhouse. And the Lucas Van Ness is at number 17. That's not too much of a reach there. They've actually got Miles Murphy and uh, – let's see, Miles Murphy and – and Tyree Wilson are both one tier above uh, Lucas Van Ness, which is fine. One tier isn't hardly anything, although I like to really micromanage that aspect and break it down that far. So what I want to wrap up with, okay, it's the last wrap-up. <laughs> what were the offensive and defensive average ranks of the positions, okay? So I took the rankings of the starting players in 11 personnel on offense and our nickel defense, okay? I divided it by the number. I, I get the, the total ranking number, divided it by the number of positions. On offense, it would be nine positions. I'm excluding Jordan Love and I'm excluding Josiah or uh, uh, Samori Torre because they had minimal snaps. So you're still getting a good broad average, right? It would also, if, if I included those two, it would probably hurt this number more than it would help it. So understand we're under promising here. But that offensive average ranking, the average PFF ranking, of offensive position for the Green Bay Packers was 32.6, guys. That is the bottom of the league. Okay. We need to we need to understand that. That's that's in the you know the bottom portion of the league. How was it on defense? Glad you asked. All 11 positions had a had the, the right amount of snaps, right? Now keep in mind if you put Keyshawn Nixon in instead of Stokes. And you put Tarvarius Moore in instead of Savage, that number goes up quite a bit. But I don't think Savage is going to be sitting on the bench with a guaranteed $8 million. And I also don't think they're going to give up on Stokes that easy. I think they'll both probably be in the starting lineup somewhere. I do. 
that average defensive position ranking is 43.7. So the other day when Ryan was talking about that, it's like, man, I, I didn't feel like the offense played better than the defense, but I guess they did. I mean, that's that's 11 points higher, right? Or at least 10 points higher, 10 and some change than the defense. So we, we got some work to do. Um, I think they could fix it. And I wouldn't be surprised that some of these players that underperformed last year will come out and perform better. One thing we can say, it's a young roster. I mean, when you go down the line, Watson's young, Dobbs is young, Torrey's young, Deguara's still young, Josh Myers is still young, John Runyon's still young, Zach Tom is definitely young, right? Even Yash has had minimal experience. On defense, Devontae Wyatt's young. Quay Walker's extremely young. Stokes is young. Savage is, I guess, still young, but you've been in the league long enough. He should have already been performing. I mean, you're in your fifth year. So just wanted to mention that. I broke it down. There's been a lot of talk about Goody, how well he's built this roster. Um, you know, some people pretend like he's never made a mistake. Others act like he's the worst GM in the world. I said, let's see what PFF says. That's what PFF says. PFF says that our average position ranking on offense is a 32.6, and their average uh, defensive ranking by position is 43.7. That doesn't bode very well for Brian Gutekunst and how he's constructed this roster right now. Again, I'm not here to bash the players. I'm not here to bash Goody. I'm not here to bash the coaches. I want to put the information together and present it to you guys. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up in a text message, 865-658-5824. Tell me what I'm missing, man. I'm not sitting here saying, hey, look, this is the gospel. I'm right, and anyone who disagrees is wrong. I cannot stand hearing people so headstrong that they refuse to hear the other side. That's how we get better as Packer fans, and that's the goal. So appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to hang out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet, and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.